Welcome to Eye on Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. Uh, this is episode 55, otherwise known as season 3, episode 19. I think those numbers are right. It's it When it gets this high, my brain stops counting. I am your host, James J. Edwards, and with me, as always, is your other host, Jacob Davison. How you doing, Jacob? Doing good, as always. Happy to be here. All right. Awesome. Still happy to be here? Like, three seasons in? That's what I like to hear. Yep. Also with us, as always, is your other other host, John Correa. How you doing, John? Doing great. Uh, my new sleep schedule has me up early, so I'm like super awake for this for once. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Hey, my new sleep schedule. I told you guys about my puppy last episode, so my sleep schedule is no sleep schedule, but that's okay. Uh, we also have a very special guest with us this time, and usually we bring our guests in at the halfway point, but we're going to bring this guy in now because we want to talk to him, and also I kind of want to find out what he's been watching, like what we've been watching. So this is Justin La Liberty. Is that how you say it? Yes, that is La Liberty. How okay. You say it. He is an archivist for Vinegar Syndrome, and. Let me tell you, all three of us have been salivating at this interview because we're huge fans of Vinegar Syndrome. So welcome, Justin. Thanks for being here. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, we are recording this on November 15th, which is a Sunday. So Friday was Friday the 13th. So let's let's kind of start off our what have we been doing with what you guys do on Friday the 13th? And did, did you guys watch a Friday the 13th movie? Uh, it's one? funny you mentioned that, and actually this is good timing, because uh, I kind of went sideways on it and and watched uh, one of Vinegar Syndrome's releases, and one of my personal favorites, uh, Unmasked Part 25, a.k.a. The Hand of Death, which, uh, like the, the, I like to pitch it to my friends as, like, the same year Jason took Manhattan, Jackson uh, took London, England. It's like if, uh, Friday, if a Friday the 13th sequel turned into, like, a uh, Oscar bait uh drama because it's yeah it's like this uh jason like character falling in love and kind of having an existential crisis you know wondering if he could if you know there's life for him beyond just killing everybody uh, it's <laughs> it's really funny and actually has a surprising amount of heart and gore nice cool what about you korea did did you check out any uh friday the 13th I actually, uh, on Friday the 13th, revisited part six and seven. Uh, nice. Okay. Because for some reason, I just got really stoked on watching those. And I hated six when I was a kid. Um, but now, as an adult, all that silly tongue-in-cheek humor that's throughout the movie, like when the guy gets his head bashed into the tree and it ter- leaves an imprint of a smiley face, it all really worked <laughs> for me this time. I-, I had an absolute blast with it. Uh, but not my favorite Jason. Um and that was the thing, too, because Seven was always my favorite Jason, but uh, that movie did not age a whole lot, a whole well. Like, it was a bit rough. But I, again, I was more su- su- surprised on how much I love Six, um, especially it's got way more Alice Cooper in the soundtrack. <laughs> and it's got two of the best, like, iconic, like, Jason moments with him standing on top of the burning RV and then finally him chained at the bottom of the lake. So... Yeah, I mean, six might be my new favorite right now. I watched, um, I stumbled across on IFC. It was just play. Friday 13th is one of those things where it's like the Twilight Zone where, yeah, I own all the box sets. I have them on physical and digital. But if I see it on TV, I'll stop there and I'll watch. And, and the one that I stumbled across, 
on IFC was part three, which it's kind of maligned, but I've always loved part three. Um, and not just, I mean, sure, it's, it's the first hockey mask one, but it's, it's, I think it's a pivotal point for Jason because he's not invincible. He gets his ass kicked and, you know, and like, uh, she stabs him with, I think it's a a knife in the leg and he falls down. You're like, no, that wouldn't hurt Jason when he becomes zombie Jason in number six. So I kind of like that he's vulnerable like that. And I like the hockey mask. So that's one. What about you, Justin? Did you, uh, what did you for Friday the 13th? Anything good? And do you watch it Friday the 13th? I'm actually not, I'm not a Friday the 13th fan, which is kind oh, of no. like this crazy thing for horror people. But, um, <laughs> I really, I, I truly love Jason X, which most people hate. I love Jason X. And I also X. think uh, Jason Goes to Hell is like really unique and fun, but. You're preaching to the choir. We, yeah, we, we yeah, there's, this is, this is, you know, for lack of a better word, a safe space. We, we, there's no judgment <laughs> here. And we, I think I could speak for all of us and say, we love Jason X and Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if you really love Jason X, have you ever checked out the comic book, Jason versus Jason X? Yes. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so ridiculous. But what what people always forget about Jason X is David Cronenberg's in it. Right. You know, he he like actually acts in it, kind of like Nightbreed. And and anytime I can see Cronenberg's face on screen, you know, I mean I love him as a director and I love him as an actor, actually, kind of. Well, you should be excited for the new season of, of uh Slasher, because he just got casted in uh I think it was season five or season six of Slasher coming to Shutter okay. soon. So, right on. Cool. What else has been going on, Jacob? What's been happening at the drive-in this week? Uh, well, last week, um, the American Cinematheque was doing its uh, German uh, film festival. I mean, they didn't do the whole thing there, but they did a opening night thing where they did a double feature of uh, Herzog's Nosferatu, starring Klaus Kinski as Dracula, and. Uh, the tenderness of wolves uh which is like kind of a serial killer drama from 1973 uh and yeah i mean they, they were both pretty good uh i particularly like uh herzog's nosferatu because it's almost like watching a documentary about a vampire uh you know just the way herzog shoots it and kinski is of course a very convincing vampire uh tenderness of wolves was okay just very very slow you know because like it's a serial killer movie but like you know they can't really show that much and i mean it definitely had some disturbing moments but yeah just it wasn't wasn't as good as nosferatu uh and last night uh i saw something not exactly horror but still pretty cool uh it's called wolf walkers uh it's this Irish animated movie from the studio that did uh, Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, was it? it was beautifully animated. Like, it was all hand-drawn, so it was like watching a uh, like a portrait come to life. And it's got werewolves. <laughs> Always a plus. Uh, did either of you guys watch, um, or any of you guys, Justin included, uh, did any of you guys watch Spell? I've never uh, seen it. Not yet. No, not yet. I got you haven't gotten to okay. Got busy with work. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed it. It is um, do you guys know what's it's about a a a black lawyer who he's his him and his family get into a plane crash and then he wakes up and he's in the attic of this voodoo lady's uh uh cabin in the Appalachians and he doesn't know where his family is or any of that and it is um 
it's a pretty good tribute to misery actually it's not huh. a ripoff although it you definitely can tell you know there it's like a nod and a wink kind of a thing um the first act they lean real heavy into the inherent blackness of the characters like it's real it, it was real heavy-handed it's like you know yeah, we get it. This guy's a successful black attorney, but if he was a white attorney, you wouldn't be making all of these. They, they, there's a lot of stuff they did that they wouldn't have done if, if, if it was race, race neutral. So it was kind of weird. But once it hit the misery part, it's really good. It's, and then, of course, by the end, it goes off the rails, which is the only place it can go because you know, it just keeps getting crazier. But it's a it's it's fun. You guys should check. I know that uh, that you guys have screening links in your inboxes because that's where I got it. <laughs> yeah, I I just it, we we were wrapping out of stage this week, so I wasn't home that much. Yeah, it slipped <laughs> my mind. Yeah, it was. It, I just happened to stumble across the email. And I'm like, oh hey, let me give this a work. Give give this a look. Uh, what have you been doing, Korea? What you been watching? Just work. I mean, I did finally uh, watch Eyes of My Mother. Um, oh, okay. From 2015. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I, that was really, it was really solid. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was nice, slow, and it like really kept you in the moments when some really fucked up shit was happening in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's really good. I was just really thrilled. I, I still... I'm going to bring it up again. I know I bring it up a lot, but I had caught a couple of reviews on IMDb and like right off the bat, people were like, this is not horror. They should take this tag off of it. Like, fuck you. This movie features. First of all, Eyes of My Mother is horror. It has. Just shut the hell up. It has people getting their tongues (laughs) and eyes cut out. Like, how is. no So much eye gouging. And again, it's that's just a it's just a bookmark. It's a categorization thing. Horror. It's not. It doesn't say anything about quality, so it's a section in the video store. Yeah, but it is great. I I do recommend it. I've been on a big uh, magnet kick lately, mostly because I keep finding them in Dollar Trees. Uh, <laughs> so that one's worth seeking out. That's that's where you get them. Yeah. How about you, Justin? You've been watching anything cool lately that you want to plug or let us know about? Um, I've been doing the like noir vember thing ah, where. Okay. So you- yeah, I just kind of pivot from like horror movies in October to kind of like noir adjacent things in November. So this morning I watched something called South Beach and it was co-directed by Fred Williamson. And the cast is, it's Fred Williamson, Gary Busey, Peter Fonda, Robert Forster, Henry Silva, Sam Jones, Vanity, Frank Pesh, uh, Stella Stevens and Brother Marquise from Two Live Crew. So it's this completely insane cast in like this Miami neo-noir about phone sex operators. So it's uh highly recommend people watching it. It's not great, but it's ridiculous enough to be worth watching. Um, yeah, it's on Amazon for streaming. And then the other highlight that I kind of had skipped by a few years ago was this movie called Wild Card, which stars Jason Statham. I was just and about was, to say the Jason Statham movie. Yeah, Jason Statham movie. And it was... It's directed by Simon West, and it's a, a new adaptation of Heat, which was the movie made uh, with Burt Reynolds in 1986. Okay. So it's a new adaptation of that, and it's Jason Statham as like this Las Vegas kind of like silent gangster type, and he kills people with like credit cards, and <laughs> it's pretty good. It's like it's really not bad. Uh, I was shocked at how good it was for what it is. So 
Damn. I did uh I did get this Jason Statham pack where it was like six movies for ten bucks and it had like uh the crank both cranks and it has that and uh transporter three not one and two just three in it <laughs> uh so i had to get one and two you know as the completionist but yeah now i might have to actually check that one out i mostly got the pack for cranks because you know wanted to revisit uh those speaking of noir vember um, and I didn't do this for Noir Vember, but I actually uh, watched for the first time, thanks to Korea and the magic of movie pa- uh, movies anywhere screen pass. I watched Brick. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, I, it, it's it's kind of a stretch to call it a noir, but I've seen people call it that, so I'm gonna. Um, it's 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 kind of a teenage whodunit if you think about it. I mean, it's I did. I didn't real. It, it was not what I was expecting it to be. I thought it was going to be more, and I might be getting it confused with Spun that Brittany Murphy movie, but I was expecting it to be about, about uh, kids spun up on drugs and that's a little part of it, but it's pretty much a, it's pretty much a whodunit, you know, with Joseph Gordon Levitt, you know, trying to track down his ex-girlfriend. I was actually surprised at how engaging it was. It's Ryan Johnson who, um, you know, did a star Wars movie and then did knives out. So we know he can do whodunit. Yeah. But that, this was his first movie though. Yeah. 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 And you can you can see you can feel that a bit that it was his first movie, but for like a freshman pitcher, it's really really solid. Like yeah, absolutely. S- speaking of freshman pictures, <laughs> have any of you guys watched Veronica? Yes, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Listen, exactly. I I I'm I'm at a point. Wh- what was it? I'm I'm not over Danzig, but like. Eh, when when he re- when he, when the when the misfits got back together like the original and tickets were 300 fucking dollars i was like oh. i'm i'm sorry danzig no i'm not going to pay 300 dollars to watch you sing songs from your teenage years like uh, no thank no, you <laughs> for, i i stumbled across it i yesterday i did a whole bunch of movie watching you know most not really horror stuff but things that i need to watch for awards season by the way sound of metal is awesome i don't know if you guys are in you know Riz Ahmed plays a heavy metal drummer who goes deaf and it's incredible anyway but Veronica I just wanted a palate cleanser at the end of the night so I find it on shutter put it on I want that 90 minutes back it is so bad and not even fun bad it is like why how did this get made bad um it it's like an anthology of three really bad stories and the way it's shot it's shot like an 80s music video where like the lighting is very unnatural and even the external scenes i think were shot on a sound stage that they just built trees and <laughs> on it's it's just real artificial and the acting is terrible the dialogue is terrible it, it's i mean i love bad movies i mean i love bad movies but this one is so bad that uh, yeah i couldn't even find anything redeeming about it it's terrible it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. And he thinks it's great. He like thinks it's like a really Are good you movie. Kidding? So, so Danzig, he like, yeah, he legitimately thinks it's like a great movie, and it, I don't understand. He was trying to make a good movie then, because it's one thing if it looks like a bad student film. I mean, I've seen yeah. student films that are better than that. <laughs> and it's one thing if he's trying to do, like, I think Rob Zombie does that sometimes where he just leans so hard into the grindhouse that he, that he knows it's going to get, it's it's going to be kind of bad. But the fact that he thinks it's like his masterpiece, oh, that says more about him than the movie, though. Oh. Yep. Uh, I think you guys may remember, like, I was at the uh, L.A. premiere 
Remember last year? Oh, oh God. Was he there? Yes, he was. <laughs> How pumped was he about it? Like, Oh, he was pretty pumped. Uh, the audience reactions were probably not what he was expecting. <laughs> oh, that's always rough. Poor Glenn. Yeah, I heard he walked out in Chicago. They did a screening and he was there and he walked out because everybody was laughing at it. I picture uh, Michael Scott when he's when he screened uh, threat level midnight for everybody in the office and, you know, they're all laughing at him. He takes his ball and goes home, <laughs> ejects the tape and he's on out. He, he was still at the after party, though. Can't miss a good party. <laughs> And also, uh, to, to, to cleanse our palate from Veronica, let's, I'll, I'll bring up something that is, um, that's, a, that's a lot better, actually. A movie called Makeup that I saw, which is, um, it's not really horror, but it does a pretty good impression of a horror movie. It's, um, it's by a director named Claire Oakley, and it's about this British girl who moves to this caravan park that her boyfriend works at to be with him. And then she starts finding, like, lipstick stains on his mirror and, like long red hairs in his clothes so it's kind of a mystery as to you know she's trying to figure out what's going on with her boyfriend and if he's cheating on her and then um things get a little a little charged you know more than jealousy happens with it it's um she she discovers who she she has a suspect on who he's cheating with and it just it gets kind of put it this way claire oakley didn't know she was a lesbian while writing this movie but she's come out since then so um it's that kind of a movie it's kind of not quite as charged as like you know blue is the warmest color but it is it's in those vein in that vein and it's um it's a pretty tense little mystery you know it's it's not i mean it's not for the blood and guts horrors but if you like you know if you like brick you'll probably like makeup nice any anything else anybody's seen or do we just want to jump right into to justin's interview uh real quick um okay also on friday the 13th uh i was watching cinematic void uh do their streaming and it was funny because they did another kind of run around friday the 13th movie in that they played uh mario bava's bay of blood which was kind of the precursor and the inspiration for the original friday the 13th it is kind of and it is always kind of funny looking back and seeing how giallo eventually evolved into slashers well, some of the kills from Bay of Blood... Yeah, were taken out right. Yeah, like the impalement. Yeah, they literally lifted it right from yeah. there. So I need to break into my Bava collection because I've only seen a few of his titles, mainly Black Sunday a bunch of times. <laughs> I used to, uh, when I had my column, my Cinema Fierte column, um, it's, I used to always do a Bava movie on my anniversary uh, because I started the weekend... We got married on a Thursday because it was 10, 11, 12. Easy for me to remember my anniversary. Um, and that's when my column would come out. So I, the first one I did then was Hatchet for the Honeymoon. And then I just started doing a Bava movie every year on my anniversary. And uh, so, yeah, I got, to, I got to watch a bunch of it until, until Film Fracture went bye-bye. And now I don't have that column anymore. I know. Sad. Oh, uh, but that's what's more romantic than a Mario Bava movie viewing <laughs> on, your, on your anniversary. Especially Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> Even though it's all about bridal murder. <laughs> well, bridal <you> murder. <laughs> well, he kills a lot of brides. Not just murder. 
bridal murder. <laughs> right. You play it in reverse. It's about a guy who reanimates his brides. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's jump into to let's talk to Justin because I know all three of us as big fans of Vincent, we're we've been waiting for this one. Um, first off, and this is what this is from me. This is what I want to know: What does an archivist do for Vinegar Syndrome? Uh, a lot. So <laughs> everything, <laughs> like anything that has to do with like a physical film. So anything like if a negative comes into the building from a collector or an archive pretty much anywhere in the world and we have to scan it i take it into the building i inspect it i prepare it for scanning and then somebody else on staff will usually scan it and um and then on top of that it's like everything we own so we own a lot of film so the archive right now has tens of thousands of reels of film in it so when i came in my job, like there was not an archivist on staff when I joined the company. So my job coming in was to kind of inventory all of the film assets that we have, create a database, inspect them, you know, see what condition everything's in. And then we have to quarantine certain things because of if they're decaying. So it's assessing what the decomposition levels are at, if things are complete or incomplete, what versions of titles we have, you know, what the elements are. Do we have the original negative? Do we have the soundtrack? Do we have duplicate negatives, positive prints for projection? Kind of basically accessioning everything that we have already on site and then also handling the elements that come in for new projects and as well as client stuff because we do scanning for other companies like Arrow. So sometimes we'll get stuff in you know, especially things that like are in the United States, like we'll get them in and scan them and then send Arrow the scan. So we're not shipping film across to other countries that, you know, you don't need to. So I'll handle all the stuff coming in for jobs like that too. So it's pretty much everything that involves physical film falls on me outside of scanning. Oof, that's daunting. Would you say that you, out of anybody in the world, knows what is in the Vinegar Syndrome vault more than anybody? I mean, as of right now, I know the organization of it more, but um, (laughs) but no one knows it all. (laughs) No, I would say not yet because it's just you know there's been so much kind of put in there over the years that has just you know it's not organized or wasn't super organized when I got in, and it's just there's a lot. So there's you know I mean there's so much like I don't even really know. Like right now, there's there's definitely tens of thousands of film wheels in there and it's just a matter of kind of figuring out what everything is but yeah i mean the goal is once i'm kind of done this project is to know what we have like everything that we have where did it all come from i mean how did you guys end up with tens of thousands of film reels it depends on what it is i mean some of it was you know we buy collections you know especially a lot of like the kind of 70s and 80s adult titles like those a lot of them just came from buying collections so you have these distributors that existed back in the 70s or 80s that specialized in that content and they weren't you know necessarily doing anything with it anymore so we could buy a collection and then they send all the film to us or some of them are like labs like film labs close and they need to get rid of film some of its filmmakers just kind of giving us their films and yeah i mean it all kind of goes from different kind of places but yeah now what are the rights issues with that like if you just buy a reel of film do you have the rights to release it? Or, I mean, how, how does that work? It depends on what it is again. I mean, if I buy a okay. print on eBay of like, you know, Star Wars, I definitely don't have the rights to it. But um, <laughs> yeah. it, when you buy like a collection from a distributor, you're typically buying the IP at the same time. 
So that's like you'd be buying worldwide rights, depending on what it is. And for a filmmaker, typically, you know, we're talking about like independent filmmakers and not buying like Steven Spielberg's films. So you're talking about somebody who like made films outside of the studio system. And if you're buying, you know, or they're giving, sometimes it's just them being like, hey, I don't have any tools to preserve this stuff. I have no way of releasing it. I trust you guys to do it. Here's the prints. Here's all the negatives. And here's the rights, like do what you want with it. And then sometimes, you know, that that contract will only be for like five years. So sometimes like a filmmaker will say, hey, put my film out. Here's all the stuff. I want you to store it. The contracts for like five years. And then maybe once that contract's done, they're like, actually, you know what? Just keep it forever. I don't want it back. You're doing well with it. Just like in perpetuity, you can have it. So sometimes there's deals like that. I mean, every film, basically, it's just all film by film because it depends on you know, where it came from, what those rights entail. Because just if you have a filmmaker that has the rights to their film, they might not necessarily have the rights to like the soundtrack. So maybe you have to go clear the songs. And so there's all different kinds of things. And then like they might have rights, but they're only for like the United States and Canada. Or like if they're a European filmmaker, they might only have rights for like Italy and France. So it can be very like country by country even. That's where, you know, a lot of region coding comes in. Like we started doing films with like MGM, and so those are all like region A, like we can't technically release those in Europe. We can't, you know, we're not going to stop someone in Europe from buying it, but we technically don't have, we can't like open up shop in Europe and sell them in Europe. Right. Now, uh, do you guys, uh, cause you guys uh, are really cool in that you guys do take requests. Like on the website, you have a little section that says like, is there a title that you're interested in us getting? Um, how many of those requests do you get? Like, or do you, do you know if, and like, is that something where like, if you guys do get requests in, is that something that you, is it more just like you take into consideration or uh, that you guys actively pursue? I mean, it's definitely more of like a consideration thing. I think, you know, probably at the start, it was more of like a, a good gauge as to like what people wanted. But um, I mean, they're definitely something we look at. Like, it's not a thing that's just there to be there. Like it is something that we look at. So I'd say we yeah. get a lot of them. I don't, I don't personally get those. So um, I don't know offhand, like how many we get, but I know that we do get a considerable amount. Um, but, you know, again, like you can have suggest a film. And like when I was at, I used to work for Alamo as a programmer and it was, you know, people suggest like ridiculous things <laughs> a lot of times. So, you know, even when I was programming, it was like, show empire strikes back and it's like well i can't like it's just you know like even then like we'll even get stuff like that where it's just like there's things that you just can't do and it's you know there's only so much we can do is especially as like a smaller company and also just things that make sense to do like there's just you know there's always people out there who are passionate about things that you just either can't make happen or like just don't make sense to make happen yeah well i mean I know Fade to Black was a highly requested one in the forums for many years. So that's really awesome. You guys were not only able to get it, but are doing a 4K release for it. That's Fade to Black is actually awesome. just Blu-ray. There's no 4K for Fade to Black. Oh, there's no? No, Beastmaster oh, is UHD. But yeah, Fade to Black will just that's be what it was. Blu-ray. But it looks great. Gotcha. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm excited. Oh yeah, no, I'm very excited for that one. And uh, I wanted to uh, go off what you uh, you were mentioning your background with Alamo. Uh, I was wondering if you if you talk a bit about uh, how you got involved with vinegar syndrome to begin with. Um, so I've been kind of tangentially like you know involved to some capacity with vinegar syndrome since they started. I had 
helped with the crowdfunding campaign, like donating to that. And then I was covering their stuff for press for a while. And then when I was at Alamo, I was programming their titles. So I was constantly like reaching out, like when they would announce things and saying, Hey, can I do a screening of this? Do you have like prints of this? And we would organize some events. And I started like doing retail at Alamo and I was selling the vinegar syndrome stuff. So I had just been kind of peripherally like around and I would go and like visit the building that I now work in. So I had been like around and I had just become kind of friendly with the staff and, you know, it was a thing, like it was a transition I had been trying to make where I went to school for film preservation. So I wanted to get more involved in an archive and especially like an archive that's devoted to the kind of stuff I'm interested in. And there's not a lot of those around. So it also, I lived around, you know, I lived in, in the area like close enough that it wasn't a major relocation. I had to move like an hour away. So it wasn't too bad. And yeah, it just kind of fell into place. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a thing that I had been like actively pursuing. It just was a thing that happened organically and was an exciting thing to have happen. Yeah, that sounds exciting. And uh, do you have any particular titles that uh, that you're um, uh, ha- that, that uh, you want to highlight that you worked on or uh, that you push to be released by Vinegar Syndrome? Um, so I don't actively like work on releases most of the time outside of like preparing materials. But the one thing that I like kind of was heavily involved in was getting rad out. Like that was ah, a big thing yes. for me was getting rad to happen. So I was really eager to make it happen. And it was a very like long process. And it was also this, it was like the first kind of home video release I like heavily worked on. So I got to see a release come together from the start from like contract negotiations all the way to like replication and shipping it out so it was really nice to kind of see that whole process especially with a title like that um so yeah i mean that was kind of a dream come true and then the other thing that i've been working on is i just did this partner label deal that we did with um bloody nose empty pockets which is a oh yeah i really love and i really wanted us to start kind of getting some like new releases out like movies that are made now and of course like vinegar syndrome is very much a repertory company it's all you know, older titles and everything shot on film. But I think there's a lot of value in movies that are being made now and also movies that are being made digitally and by smaller companies that don't necessarily fit like, you know, what we're doing. So we brought in this company Utopia as a partner label and yeah, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, our first release with them. We have a couple lined up uh, for early next year that are great. So I'm really excited about that. Happy to see people taking a chance on it and finding it rewarding. It's really good. It's uh, I, I got myself a copy with the slipcover and it is it's a great release. But that film like just hits on a lot of levels. And uh, it, it it was especially weird to watch on election night. Yes. Uh, well, that's, that was, that's the perfect time to watch that movie. It was it was like I, I tried to spend so much time like removing myself from all that. And then like all day did not watch, did not refresh the accounts and stuff. And I was like, hey, let's watch this movie that's kind of related to it. And then it was like, fuck, it's bringing back everything. Yep. <laughs> but like in a good it's it's got a lot so much heart, uh, that movie, which is you, you wouldn't um, it, a lot of people wouldn't expect a lot of heart to come from a movie that takes place in a Las Vegas dive bar. But I mean, that's just because people don't know dive bars. There's a lot of heart in those places. <laughs> uh, and on the partner labels, uh, yeah, I've, I've been really enjoying the releases with that. And I guess the main ones are Utopia, Fun City Editions, and uh, Bleeding Skull slash American Genre Film Archive. Uh, could you talk a bit about how that came about? 
Um, I mean, the best way I can say is, so Agfa was, you know, it's another kind of genre film archive related company and Vinegar Syndrome had done some releases with them before, like Sometimes Aren't Martha uh, Does Dreadful Things. And then there was, um, there was Super Soul Brothers. So there, there was like a history already in place with Agfa. And Night of the Strangler was another one. So those had already existed. So that kind of partnerships just sort of like organically grew. And Agfa does like theatrical distribution for Vinegar Syndrome. So there was already like a firm relationship there. And it just kind of made sense to bring them in and start, you know, as like the footprint of Vinegar Syndrome increased and like we started getting bigger and having like better distribution. And it just made sense to kind of help out these smaller companies that we can get them into other stores or push their sales through our website, you know, give their titles slip covers. And then Fun City is this like really great company now. Um, I love what they're doing and Alphabet City has long been a favorite film of mine. So seeing that get this great release was really rewarding. And I start counting as a movie that was new to me this year. And I think it's amazing. So I uh, am really happy to see that come out, but yeah, it's just, you know, we're trying to kind of grow the company and part of vinegar syndrome is this distribution arm called OCN distribution. So seeing these other companies kind of fit like what we're doing, like even maybe if they don't fit like our content, they fit like our mission to just kind of bring out like this niche content and give it a great release. And that's the thing is like, we're really priding ourselves on with the partner label stuff is that the releases aren't like, you know, subpar. They're not, you know, the standard of quality is still entirely within like what we do with any of our vinegar syndrome titles. Oh yeah. No, I've loved uh, the last uh, few partner label releases. Like, uh, yeah, I just watched, uh, I start counting last week, uh, and yeah, no, I felt like it uh, fit uh, fit the style mold, uh, but also yeah, that level of quality that Vinegar Syndrome releases, and yeah, it's and it's just cool that uh, Vinegar Syndrome is working with these other companies to get these movies out. Also, loved Scary Tales. That was that was a fun one. I just love that McPherson tape got as much love oh, as it yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, that was an awesome release with a great slipcover. I'm I'm a slipcover slut, so <laughs> I'm loving that. Same, we're all slipcover sluts. <laughs> now, how do you, um, who decides what movies are going to be released by Vinegar Syndrome? I know you, you mentioned that you do go by the suggestions, but how do you, from, from beginning to end, you know, I mean, how, how do you say, okay, let's, there's this movie, let's go after this movie, let's get this movie, let's do this. I mean, who makes all those decisions and what goes into it? I mean, we all kind of collaborate. So it's, you know, there's no like one person on staff that's like, the person who decides what we release. It's sort of like, there's a bunch of people that all kind of come together. It's such a small staff. Like there's not a lot of people who work for the company. So we all kind of have input on like what we're doing and like where things are going. And, you know, it'll come up like, Hey, we're working with this company. What titles do they have? What materials are available? And the thing we run into is, I mean, there's so many movies that I would love to release, but like for reasons they're just not available either because of the rights or like sometimes we'll get rights to a movie and then we just can't find a negative. We can't find a print. Like there's just no way to make it happen. So we, you know, we schedule really far out just because of how much time all this stuff takes. So we have, you know, 2021 is like mostly planned. Like we know what we're releasing and it's, it's just a matter of like kind of lining all that stuff up. Like, especially right now, I mean, 
everything's so different than it was a year ago just because of COVID, you know, between like archives, especially like if you want a, a negative and it's like in Mexico or it's in China or, you know, Italy or wherever it is, like shipping everything right now is really precarious. It's not, you know, all these things are a lot different than they were like a year ago. So you kind of have to plan everything around like what's readily available, how much easier are these things like logistically. So, you know, so much of like what we want to release might be based on like our personal interests or like maybe what we'll sell. But now there's all these logistics to take into account too. So it all just kind of molds around itself. Like you just go, hey, I want to put this movie out. And then you kind of see how the pieces fall. Now, you mentioned COVID and we talk about that we talk about that a lot with our guests because basically the industry has changed yeah. um, in from production through distribution through exhibition. Um, how, how has that changed what you guys do? Because I mean, getting interviews, getting commentaries, all that stuff together, you clearly can't all, you know, get a whole team in the same room now. How do you do that in the times of COVID? Um, I mean, everything has changed, you know, from like just going into the office to, distribution like you know the mail system is taxed like there's you know we're consistently inundated with you know like where are my packages like all these things and it's just like you know there's only so much we can do it's just you know, ship things out and hope they get to people safe and sound but yeah i mean so we're seeing it on like stuff coming in stuff going out just based you know our staff because we're all human people <laughs> that are susceptible to what's going on and i think there's a lot of that you know where people kind of see companies as companies and forget there's a human component. So I think there's a lot of that where it's just like, yeah, we are people, you know, it's a company that's run by people and very few people um, in that regard. But yeah, with special features, I mean, that's definitely a thing that I think every company is kind of figuring out how to navigate. And, you know, a lot of like, if you pick up some of our more recent releases, you'll see that there's interviews that are done through zoom or like Skype or, you know, some sort of web-based platform, and that's how, you know, a lot of things are getting done. And we've had like even Rad, the commentary on Rad was recorded online. Like it wasn't recorded with people in the same room. So it's, yeah, things are just kind of happening remotely and safely. And that's just the way things have to happen right now. In the interest of full disclosure, we are recording this podcast via Zoom. So <laughs> that's, that's how we do it these days. We're using vinegar syndrome approved methods for this podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> now um so you as we as we discussed a few times you guys have your black friday sale coming up when this episode comes out it'll be a few days after uh you guys got some you guys always do an amazing job with it every year i mean uh not only is it mass discounts across the store you guys always have new titles uh new releases and there's always something awesome there's always and they're always great like there's rarely a time during the black friday where i go i don't know about that title um especially since you guys are doing Beastmaster in 4k yes uh, that god uh, would you would you mind telling us a little bit about like the how that came to be because i know that was like a really hard to find like for negatives and stuff for many years yeah so the negative for beastmaster is lost like we did not find the negative for beastmaster um we ended up using a, a very well preserved inner positive so the way like film generations work you know you have your original negative that your cut negative 
And then your next best thing is the inner positive. And then from there, you'd have like an inner negative, you'd have your prints and so on. But yeah, so the inner positive is the next best thing to the negative. And we have that. So we were able to make the 4K from that inner positive. And we're really excited about it. I mean, this is a movie that like almost everybody in our generation grew up with in some capacity. It was like always on cable. It was just always, <laughs> it was like ubiquitous. HBO. Uh, hey, Beastmasters hey, on. Hey, Beastmasters on. <laughs> it was on all of these stations. I mean, TBS was like the Beastmaster station. Like it's just, it was always on. And it's one of those, you know, it's vinegar syndrome, of course, gets, you know, has a reputation of being like a more aggressive or brash or explicit kind of label but of course beastmaster is a pg movie like this is you know kind of like rad rad was a pg movie and beastmaster is a pg movie and i think there's something really valuable in kind of releasing these movies that are you know nostalgic and maybe not necessarily like something that would pass as kids entertainment in 2020 but i think that it's really important to kind of have these movies that we can like all show our kids like vinegar syndrome fans can like show their kids and you know we can all be proud of releasing and like cap you know like kind of having this thing where we're all like in tune to our nostalgia, but not ashamed of it. Like, I think there's, you know, there's kind of a tendency to be like, Oh, I loved that thing when I was a kid and it's like, doesn't hold up, but Beastmaster holds up. Like it's a really fun movie and the 4k looks amazing. Like it's, it looks better than I ever expected Beastmaster to look. Another one of these, um, black Friday sale titles is fade to black, which we've talked a little bit about already. Now, that to a lot of people is a holy grail. I mean, it's the kind of thing that people thought, I mean, it, it would pop up on streaming services and then disappear two days later because it was an illegitimate, <laughs> you know, ver there were no rights. How did you guys, I mean, was it a rights issue and how did you guys secure them if it was? Um, I mean, there, there's always a rights issue. You know, there's always a copyright holder. So yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened with other companies. You know, I'm sure other people pursued fade to black and, However, that fell through for them, I don't really know, but we were able to locate the rights holder and strike a deal. So it's basically the same way anything kind of works with home video or, you know, any other thing that's copywritten is you find who owns it and you say, you know, we'll give you this much money or make you this many promises. You know, sometimes it comes down to money. Sometimes it comes down to entirely different things. Sometimes it's just somebody that's really neurotic about how their film is going to be presented or, they only want it coming out in a limited number or something like there's all these things, these like nuances to making a deal happen that however it went through or didn't go through in years past, I have no idea, but the important thing is <laughs> that it went through now and we were able to make it happen. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting one. I get to replace my old ratty VHS with a, with a Blu-ray. That's what I'm doing too. <laughs> we're all in the, you know, that's the <laughs> my fun old ratty VHS. Yeah, I mean, we're all in the same boat. Like, you know, the collectors that buy our stuff, we're the same people. So it's, you know, we're all replacing our VHS copies too. Like, it's the same thing. Well, well, for me, it'll be a first time viewing. I even uh, held off on seeing it on Shutter just because I'm like, nah, I gotta gotta watch when I get that Blu-ray in. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, back on Beastmaster, I, I thought that release was interesting because it was a part of, uh, well, I guess a new kind of sub-label with Vinegar Syndrome, uh, VSU, uh, Vin uh, Vinegar Syndrome Ultra. Yep. yep. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and just kind of what uh, VSU means. <laughs> Although I also got to say I loved how like it was teased as just the acronym VSU and everybody was wondering what it could mean. Uh, although I still stand by mine <laughs> that it's uh, that I was hoping for Vinegar Syndrome University. Yeah. 
I wanted a college shirt, VSU. <laughs> yeah. Possible Black Friday merch? I would yeah. I would attend VSU. <laughs> I just want a cool like, you know, football leather jacket for <laughs> Central University. I'd wear I'd wear a varsity jacket. Yeah, varsity, there we go. <laughs> Clearly I didn't do sports. <laughs> yeah, we will unfortunately not be making a Vinegar Syndrome School, but um, yeah, VSU is really exciting for us. You know, we're going full speed ahead into UHD, which is a format we all really love, um, and it's you know it's still pretty niche. So we're doing you know the VSU titles will come with a Blu-ray for anybody who's like not you know fully on board with 4K yet. But you know we're really excited by it. It's the best way to kind of watch something at home. I mean, that's as long as you have like good materials and you can make like a proper. 4k transfer and do hdr which we are doing i think the 4k is going to always look the best so the thing with bsu that you know sets it apart from like other 4k releases because there's going to be other 4k releases that are just regular vinegar syndrome kind of fit in what we're doing every month and then vsu is going to be movies that are a little bit out of that wheelhouse so kind of like you know rad and beastmaster are both kind of these like 80s nostalgia borderline family movies and VSU kind of allows for that. Like it's something that a lot of, you know, especially the people who subscribe to Vinegar Syndrome expect every month that they're going to get like horror exploitation and porn. And VSU is a chance for us to not fit in those buckets all the time because we all have movies we want to release that just don't fit in that mold. And especially with something like Rad, there were a lot of people who were just like, I don't want an 80s BMX movie. Like that's not what Vinegar Syndrome is to me. And like, we understand that. We understand that there's people who kind of, came on board with us for very specific things and they want those things and maybe not these other things. So um, BSU is a way for us just to kind of do that and also just make these really elaborate, like beautiful packages. Uh, you guys saw the photos of the Beastmaster package and it's, oh, it's yeah. honestly a thing of beauty. Uh, seeing it in person is even better. It's this really sturdy case. It's full, like the art fully wraps around it. It's, you know, a heavy item that stands upright. It closes with a magnet. It's got a book. It's, you know, everything about it is like beautiful. And then even the Blu-ray case inside it has its own slip cover. So it's just like, oh, just wow. all in one package <laughs> and it's, it's gorgeous. So it's the kind of thing where it's just, you know, it's, it's it's a very specific item that allows us to do, you know, different kinds of movies, but it also allows us to make these really elaborate packages that might not necessarily fit in with everything else we're doing. I mean, you guys always kill it with the packaging. Just like, oh, the, yeah, I can't stress how amazing that rad release is because I'd never seen rad before and it fucking holds up like goddamn was that a fun movie. But the packaging is it was everything I wanted, like. They had foil, it had 3D Lineker, you know. Uh, yeah, and hologram Beast- and lithograph. Yep. And then uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown, just that case yeah. for that was really awesome. Nice, sturdy, but like came together. Like you guys really do like these amazing packages for Lost. So I'm very much so looking forward to Beastmaster. And uh, yeah, when you were describing it before we started recording, I was sitting there going, oh, just just ship it to me now. Come on. Just send it, just send it back. <laughs> you know, I have it pre-ordered. <laughs> we promised that we weren't going to, to prod you for the secret black Friday titles, but I, and, and I'm not going to, so that's not like a bad, but, but, um, I know that all of us have dream titles that we want and that we're just dying like Holy grail titles. And for me personally, mine seems like it screens vinegar syndrome and it's, the 1982 Jack Shoulder slasher Alone in the Dark. 
can you break my heart or at least give me a little bit of hope that someday Vincent might be able to do Alone in the Dark? I mean, I love Alone in the Dark and I would love to, but it's owned by Warner Brothers. So that's all on them. That's 100% in their wheelhouse. It's up to them what they want to do with it. But I mean, it's shocking to me that nobody's done a Blu-ray yet. Me too. I... I have an old DVD of it that I guess sells on Amazon for like 80 bucks, but uh, I, I I can't believe no one has done a full, it's, uh, more people need to see that movie maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah it's great. Yeah. Now, uh, what, what titles for, uh, would you recommend people gun for, um, at a, for Black Friday? Not just like the Black Friday titles, but like in digging deeper, going for like the, maybe like further back in the catalog title, like what are some that you would recommend? I mean, it's so like our catalog is so diverse now that it's really, you know, so much of that it's dependent on like what people are into, but um, you know, some of the ones that I always highlight, I, I really love that we did the Jamafanaka films. So you have penitentiary penitentiary two, and there's this double yeah. feature disc of um, welcome home brother, Charles and MMA. I think those are like really important movies. They're part of the, LA Rebellion and uh, UCLA. So it's this like archive of this like amazing black cinema that was coming out decades ago. So I think those are like really important, like vital movies that, you know, are the kind of stuff that you'd usually see like Criterion or Kino or someone releasing. And also along that line, you have Putney Swope, which is this amazing comedy. And, um, and then, you know, kind of getting into like some of the adult stuff. I think a lot of, especially like the genre fans, like kind of skip right by the adult. Uh, titles just because they think like you know porn is porn but i think a lot of ours are not that i think they're like really interesting so there's this great one called memories within miss aggie that's kind of like a cerebral 70s drama like a character drama and it's like this really beautiful movie and it's you know kind of harrowing too and then along that line of like really harrowing you know uh adult titles you have a movie called her name was lisa that's like this really dark dark movie that is also a porno and then um I really love the Pretty Peaches movies. I think they're like really fun. I think they're good, like accessible entry points into the hardcore content and uh, A Woman's Torment and just the Roberta Finlay films in general. But A Woman's Torment is a great one because it has the X-rated version and the R-rated version on the same disc. And the R-rated one's like actually the better movie. And uh, it's just like really kind of nuts character study of 70s like erotica and she made this there's this double feature horror package that's not hardcore that's primeval and lurkers those are all really good so yeah i really like the roberta finley movies um one of my favorite titles is a movie called in the cold of the night which is like an erotic thriller and it, it, it got an nc-17 when it came out and it's like inexplicable that it has one but it's just like really fun ridiculous erotic thriller and tippy hedron's in it and she has like a scene with a bird so it's <laughs> It's pretty goofy. Um, yeah, I really like like a lot of the erotic thriller and like action stuff. Um, a lot of people kind of hone in on our horror titles, but I really kind of push for the more like action and thriller titles. So LA Wars is one I really love. Yeah. yeah, I love LA Wars. Um, Savage Dawn is also really fun. Those are both part of our VSA yeah. line and those are like a really good time. And Kind of as far as horror titles go, I mean, I really love Nightmare Sisters, which is David Dakota movie. I think it's like really fun and goofy and it kind of straddles the line between like comedy and horror really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the horror stuff just like is already doing great. So I usually try and highlight things that aren't horror. Um, the last one that I'll highlight is a movie called Sudden Fury. 
and it's this yeah. Canadian thriller and it's just like a Hitchcockian, like totally unassuming thriller that I think people just don't really pick up, but it's it's great. Yeah, no, I always tell my friends that it makes a great double feature with uh, the silent partner for uh, Canuxploitation tax shelter movies. Yeah, I really like the, the tax shelter movies out of Canada, so I'm happy that we have that one. I, I, I recommend that people get There's Nothing Out There. Oh, yeah. Because it is, it, that was kind of, not really a holy grail, but that was one that I was so happy to see come out on blue when you guys did it, because I love that. I mean, we were talking about, you know, bad movies with Veronica. There's Nothing Out There is a bad movie, but it is so much fun bad. I mean, the monster, the, it's, it's like almost, it's meta without being meta. Anyway, There's Nothing Out There is hilarious. If you like horror comedy. Yeah, I think one of my personal favorites to come from Vinegar Syndrome was Demon Wind. Just in terms, <laughs> just God, in you terms, Demon Wind. Oh yes, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, in terms of uh, you know Evil Dead riffs, that is a fun one. Uh, along with Spookies, which again was a miracle release. What about you, Korea? What's your favorites? I mean, recently, one that's uh, rad. I mean, it's rad. Like I, <laughs> I can't stress enough how much I fucking love rad. Uh, but I mean, like for recent releases that I got that I wasn't really. I don't know, Pandemonium, I wasn't expecting anything going into it, and I was so pleasantly surprised to find a movie that was, like, really close to, like, the Zucker Brothers type of comedy of just, like, that constant and, like, really and, and hitting it. Because there's a lot of movies that try to replicate Airplane and that type of humor, but Pandemonium did, like, a really good job of actually nailing it for the most part, and I had a lot of fun with that movie. There, Especially, what was it? There was a... The scene with the cream and and uh, she's like <laughs> shaving or something and just gets like cut. Uh, it's all oh, right. The shaving cream. The shaving cream. Yeah, it was such a silly movie. Uh, yeah, it's got Paul Rubens and Carol Kane. There's a good shaving cream scene and there's nothing out there too. Oh yeah, little little spoiler, not spoiler, but connection. A little tease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let, let's start wrapping this up. But before we go, Justin, I just want to ask you. Has Hobgoblin sold out yet? <laughs> People always ask when they say, what should I look at? The Vinegar Syndrome sales coming up. What should I look at? I always tell them, buy Hobgoblins because you're going to anyway. It's 10 bucks. Eventually, you're going to end up with this. Just buy it. Is it gone yet? No. no. Hobgoblins will probably <laughs> stick around for a long time. Uh, good to hear. Uh, yeah. And also, while we won't push you for secret titles, it, it, I did think it was interesting that uh, a few titles for 2021 were announced uh, as on the way, like uh, Cthulhu Mansion and uh, one of my personal favorite Grindhouse movies, Death Promise. Yeah, we uh, we announced like four titles recently. Death Promise is one that I'd love to see upgraded. There's a DVD that came out a few years back, and it's really exciting to kind of have it come out in a better looking version uh cthulhu mansion's really fun it's just like a really weird lovecraft riff that's almost like barely a lovecraft adaptation but <laughs> it's really fun um and then there's yeah devil story from france which is wild i don't even know how to explain devil story to people it's i, I don't even know it's like a it's like a john roland movie with a dude running around the countryside in like a nazi uniform killing people i don't it's very strange um and then there's this movie called shallow grave which is like a georgia set kind of slasher thriller that's it's very different than i think what people are expecting from it and it's it's really good cool cool yeah either way we are excited for whatever comes next from vinegar syndrome yeah 
Absolutely. Well, thanks, Justin, for spending your morning with us. And uh, this this has been great. I mean, <laughs> we, we've all been waiting for to talk to someone from Vinegar Syndrome. So I'm glad that you were able to join us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, our theme song is by Restless Spirit. So uh, go out and show them some love. And our uh, artwork is by Chris Fisher. So go and uh, show him some love as well. Um, all of us, uh, you can find at the Ion Horror Facebook page, the Ion Horror Twitter, uh, the Ion Horror Instagram, the iHorror Facebook page, iHorror.com. Am I missing any? No, no Tinder yet, Korea. No Etsy. Yeah, no. Sorry, still, still working on that. Uh, Pinterest is coming soon, though. So okay, once cool. I figure out what uh, Justin, that is. where can uh, people find you on the socials if they want to keep up with what's going on with you? Um, Vinegar Syndrome has channels everywhere, just like at Vinegar Syndrome. You can find me. Um, I'm on Twitter. It's at J L A L I B S. That's the easiest way to kind of find me. But yeah, vinegar syndrome is very easy to find. Right on. Well, thanks again for joining us on this uh, on this Sunday morning, and we'll, we're going to get out of here. So we'll <laughs> see you guys in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So for me, James J Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. I'm Jonathan Korea. I'm Justin. Well, Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your eye on horror. 